0: because you know, so many people particularly on the content side I think just think of like content strategies like oh I've got a blog and I've got a podcast and we've got a couple of ebooks and actually good content strategy these days should be just much more I think about like how do you support people with content throughout that journey and so you know I think traditionally people kind of thought oh that's product marketing's problem you know but I think like good content marketers are figuring out how to partner with like product marketing, sales everyone down through the, the funnel and sort of seeing how content can be used throughout the
1: purchasing process Hi and welcome to the Optimize Podcast. My name is Nate Matherson and I am your host. On this weekly podcast, we sit down with some of the smartest minds in content marketing and SEO. Our goal is to give you perspective and insights on what's moving the needle in organic search. Today, I'm thrilled to sit down with John Collins. John is a content marketing consultant who partners with startups and corporates to build or reignite their content programs. John has led content teams at incredible companies like Ramp and Intercom and before that, he spent a number of years at the Irish Times. Our episode today is a special one. John is the co-author of a new report, OG Marketing's Content and SEO Survey. And on this episode, we unpack some of his key findings. I've reviewed the early copy of the report myself, and I'm very excited to go deep with John And this episode of the Optimize Podcast is brought to you by Positional. If you don't know by now, my name is Nate, and I'm one of the co-founders of Positional. And I'm really excited to announce that we just launched our content analytics tool set. This has very quickly become my favorite feature. It's one that I've wanted for the last 10 years, and it's really effective in identifying which pages on your site users might be having a low quality experience on. What we do is we track metrics like scroll depth, bounce rate, and time on page to score your pages and then allow you to go deeper to see where within a piece of content, for example, which paragraph is causing people to leave or where, for example, you might want to add a call to action within that page. This tool set is called content analytics. It's our newest feature. I'm stoked about it. And you should be too. John, thank you so much for coming on the Optimize podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks. So the first question I always ask our guests is, how did you get into the world of content marketing and SEO?
0: Okay, well, I suppose for our US listeners, I probably should emphasize that the Irish Times is the, uh, the newspaper in Dublin, Ireland, where I'm based, rather than the chain of bars in the US, which I, I learned when I started visiting uh, the US, the Irish Times is, is something different. Uh, but yeah, listen, my background is I was a journalist for uh, you know quite, quite a number of years. Uh, mostly covering the sort of tech space, uh, writing about startups and business. And I was, yeah, sort of like about a decade ago, uh, no, no secret that the newspaper world or the media world was not a good place. And, you know, there was a lot of change and, and, and churn happening there. Um, and so I really began to look around at my like my other career opportunities and as i said always really interested in kind of the the startup world and you know uh, innovation and and things like that so reached out to a couple of people in my network to see you know like what could there be a role there for me i'll be really honest actually i would say that like you know a decade ago i kind of like knew about content marketing and it was like starting to become a thing but really kind of assumed more that like you know uh, for some of my skill set it would probably be more working on the comms and pr side in, in a in a startup or in a tech company spoke to owen mccabe the ceo of intercom and co-founder and test trainer who's a, a co-founder his chief strategy officer there and they very much had the vision of like what content marketing could be like they followed companies like Basecamp, i suppose who probably were one of the earliest companies to to do content marketing in a really sort of authentic way and like hubspot was really taken off at that stage we're talking like 2013 2014 at this stage and so they had the vision of like what content could be and i suppose like met them and and, and discussed that and, and, and got excited by that myself and just you know just saw this opportunity to to go in-house and to try and create you know, particularly with intercom it was kind of like very authentic content almost like a, an in-house publication that would appeal to, to to buyers of their product and you know i think i was i was lucky in the sense i hooked up with intercom in that they had that vision and they were, knew that it wasn't going to happen in a quarter or two quarters that it was going to take a bit of time uh, and they gave me that sort of time and space to, to sort of build out the program there and you know ultimately it became a huge part of of the growth of the intercom as they you know we grew the company from like 1 million in arr to 150 in arr in just over three years
1: I want to start with your new report. So what led you to create this report with Nigel? And you know, what was the initial goal to doing it?
0: Yeah, so uh, I worked, I've worked. i worked a number of times with Nigel Stevens. OG Marketing is like a boutique SEO agency. We used them at Intercom quite successfully. I worked with them at... Uh, ramp as well and since i've been doing consulting I've, I've brought them into a couple of my um client companies as well and i think they you know i, I think they just work very well with 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 content marketing team because i remember actually the first conversation i had with nigel way back uh when i was at intercom when when he came in was you know look the job's like 90 percent done here you guys are creating great content you just need to sort of like be more savvy about like your seo strategy on top of it so it's just a really good fit there in terms of like nigel gets that like creating quality content is probably the surest way to, to be successful at seo and that there aren't necessarily a bunch of like hacks and tricks that are going to be a shortcut to getting there so yeah so like as i said we worked together a bunch of stuff on a bunch of times on different projects i think particularly now that i'm a consultant you know you don't want to fall into that trap as i said of like just recreating the same playbook and so we just really wanted to see look there's a lot happening right now i think in content and seo like what how are people actually Using that? To, how are software buyers actually using content and how, what do they think about it? Like, how are they using search? Obviously, with the, the rise of like, or the just the, the hyper-end chat GPT and like AI tools, like, you know, are people, you know, is, is search on, on the way out? You know, like, where are we on this journey? And so it was really just, let's actually get out there and like talk to some, do some re- market research. So we actually engaged a, a market research firm in Fusion who did all the actual, you know, like surveying, but like we worked with them on the design of the survey and like what we wanted to learn. And they went out and got over five hundred folks in the in the US who are like sort of manager level above in their their firms. I think about twenty three percent were C level, but like all of them were involved in the in the purchasing of software. And so it was really just we, we ran a bunch of questions past them about like what they think of content, how do they use it, how do they use Google, like what are the other tools they use, where else do they get information, like what information you know, like at different stages of their buying journey, like when they're initially researching, when they're actually looking at a particular like solution and then like when they're actually going to buy like what's important to them at each of those different stages.
1: A lot of our customers and a lot of our listeners are in the SaaS space. And I think that this report does a really great job of breaking down like the current expectation of searchers and also buyers, and as, as it helped me think about like how we're creating content at Positional. And I saw that one of the key findings in the report was that buyers are still heavily relying on Google to get information, but it seems to be that there's this disconnect in terms of trust. I know one of the things you found in the report that was buyers are apparently not trusting the information they receive directly from companies or that they might tune it out. And so it sounds like Google is still a great channel to to serve content, but there seems to be this disconnect in terms of the trust from the actual visitor or searcher that's landing on that content. What do you make of this?
0: Yeah, so I think first off, we were a little surprised uh, just how much uh, people still sort of like,
1: you know,
0: not just rely on Google, but like are very happy with what they're getting from Google. So like 80% said that they were either satisfied or very satisfied with the uh, information they get when they, they search on Google for, for topics related to buying software. So, because I think there is a like a quite a loud vocal majority about like, oh, search is broken and, you know, it's polluted with paid results and, you know, yada, yada. We've, we've, we've heard it all, but like it's still their go-to. Uh, and I think, you know, it just, anyone who's sort of thinking, oh, I can start like putting my investments in SEO is, is you know, it's pretty naive. Unless, you know, they're in a very specific niche that they know for that yeah for sure that 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 folks are not using google or they using alternatives. so i think that was the first thing we were kind of like okay so you know google is still the number one show in town i think what was really interesting though was that like when we asked people like what sort of sources of information they trust just 12 percent said that like chose software companies vendors as their number one trusted source of information it was way behind things like they're they're going to forums and communities so like i think it was 29 percent so that they go to forums and community. 26% said their number one source was like third-party reviews. And even, you know, surprisingly, given that it's B2B buyers here, uh, 15% said, yeah, they go, they, they're looking for influencers, whether that's like sort of on LinkedIn or Instagram, whatever it might be. And interestingly though, despite that trust thing, they do actually refer to the content. Like they do actually go and, and use content from websites. So I think it's kind of like, there's an awareness, buyers are, are savvy and there's an awareness that like, Hey, I've been getting this from a vendor, it comes with caveats, you know, but they are definitely, certainly at the early stage, and at the later stage, they're definitely engaging with content from from vendors before they go off and then look at further sites. But there's there's a bunch of stuff as well, which we can dive into, you know, things like people actually starting to zone out, you know, content from vendors and like different formats they like and all that kind of stuff. So...
1: Yeah, and I want to unpack that very soon in particular formats, because I know there are a lot of different types and content you can create today. And right now, after like the most recent algorithm update, everyone is thinking about like how we can make our content uniquely valuable. And maybe that's also a way that we can build trust. And also too, like today, like after this most recent algorithm update, we've seen just like the rankings and traffic to a lot of like those UGC platforms like Reddit and LinkedIn and Quora really surge so it's clear that like google too is thinking that like this is a result that searchers are looking for but for those companies creating content on their websites is there anything that they can do to like build trust or show that searcher that they their result can be trusted is there anything tactical we can do there
0: yeah well i think like first off you know i think that the, the, that sort of jaded uh, tactic of like hey i'm gonna like you know, a CRM vendor and I'm going to publish an article on my on my blog about like, you know, top CRM vendors and oh, guess what? I'm going to make myself number one. I mean, that, you know, for a start, you can generate those articles with AI really easily. Um, and so that's actually, it's going to be super competitive. All your competitors are probably running that jaded playbook. And I think like what, what came through in the survey was people see through that, right? So there's a demand and, and people are talking about it that they want to see more like sort of independent, objective information on things like How does this software integrate with my existing platform? How does it compare with competitors? You know, and not I think like you know I think there's an opportunity there to be very open about like, hey, we have like uh, we have a CRM uh, and this is how we compete. You know, we're designed for agencies. You know, we are not the CRM that's all things to all people. And I think too many people try and do that, particularly because they think that like any traffic they can get from search is going to be good. But you know, at the end of the day, you've got you've got to attract relevant buyers or qualified buyers you know it's not just any traffic will do Uh, so i think that's that's the number one thing is kind of like rip that up and forget about all that something that i've I've worked with a lot of clients on and, and it's no big secret but this whole idea of sort of like community content of trying to bring in outside experts so i think you know in the old days the old days i mean three four years ago you could get away with like you write an article on your blog it's it's kind of like the company's view of like here's what the best crm products are but actually you should bring in like whether it's customers or potential customers or just industry experts and actually interview them and get quotes from them. Like run surveys, you know, like if you've got an email list, why don't you actually survey people and go like, you know, what's, what is the, the, the key feature of this, of of not our software, but just when you're making a decision or, you know, it doesn't even have to be, that far down the funnel where you're talking about your own product, but it could just be like, you know, creating thought leadership content in your space, but bringing in those outside voices that you're facilitating in the conversation. I think that's a huge, huge way to, to build trust and become sort of seen as an expert in your area.
1: Yeah. And you're making your content uniquely valuable by doing all of those things. And I've never been a journalist, but I know you've worked in like a newsroom and it seems or sounds like a lot of what you've described is actually how like a, a journalist would go about creating a piece of content. Like, does that feel right or fair?
0: Yeah, I think, like, you know, I know we're going to talk about sort of quality as well versus quantity, and I think, you know, that, that, that is sort of, like, one of the things that people can take from the that editorial or journalism world is, you know, by actually going out and talking to, to subject matter experts, which, you know, don't always have to be in-house in your own company. They can be, like, industry experts, third parties, customers, whatever it might be. But actually, yeah, that's that's exactly what journalists do. They go, They go and talk to those folks and research the topic. So it's a bit more like almost create magazine articles, you know, sort of, like, you know, where you've got a bunch of voices and a bunch of opinions on a topic rather than sort of like in the old days, it was, it was more like a news article. It was just like, here's one voice or here's like, you know, the writer's interpretation of what's happening.
1: You brought me to my next question. I saw another one of like the key findings in the report was quality is more important than quantity. And I think this more important now than it ever has been. I remember back when I first started in this business in 2014, you could publish like hundreds of what were like maybe back then described as high quality pieces of content. But today I would describe as very low quality pieces of content. I always tell our customers to focus on quality over quantity, but what does that mean to you? Like in your opinion, what is a quality piece of content? I know we've talked about it a little bit, but what goes into it? Yeah, I mean, I think quality content, there's a number of sort of
0: characteristics of of, of good quality content. I mean, for a start, I think it should have an opinion. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's like contrary or you know like picking a fight but you should have an opinion you know it shouldn't be saccharine and like something that everyone in your industry is going to you know agree with so just using that example i gave earlier about like maybe if you have a crm for like agencies to, to run their business be opinionated about why they need a different crm than than just the the sort of one that's designed for like sales teams at like corporates you know and and be like very clear about like what's what's different about like what your your view of the world is and what you bring to the world i think the other thing that like quality content has or does is it delivers something of value you know people should read the article and go i've learned something here you know i think i call it kind of happy meal content which is when people kind of like go too far down the seo route and, and don't really sort of think about like delivering value that like you create this content that like like a happy meal it kind of looks good I think it's going to satisfy you you consume it but like you know 30 minutes later you're kind of still hungry and you haven't really haven't really learned anything or picked anything up so i think that's a huge uh, a huge thing just like where can you add value and i think one of the places people can do that is, you know, if you've got data uh, in in your product or, you know, that you're picking up as you're building out your product or your service, share that with the world. I mean, that was a huge, huge thing for us at Ramp, which was like, you know, we, we had all these corporate cards out there and people were spending on them. And it was like, particularly towards uh, the end of like COVID lockdowns, people were going back to the office. We were like, whoo, we've got all this. Like we can see how spending is changing as people go back to the office. And so we, we started releasing these quarterly Ramp benchmarks just of like what we were seeing uh, what it meant for like US businesses, uh, what we were seeing on, on, on spend, even like things as simple as like, which advertising platforms were people uh, starting to spend more or less on. And, you know, that, that was just super valuable content. Again, not the kind of stuff that you're going to knock out in a couple of days. They're big, but it goes back to that quality versus quantity piece. They're big set pieces. But well, you can repeat them every quarter and, 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 and then you start to have this data set that, you know, has even more value over time. But I think you just gotta figure out what, what that is for your particular client or your particular business. Like what, what does, what is going to deliver some
1: value in, in the space? Yeah, I love data-driven content, like surveys, reports, studies. Uh, This was something that we did heavily at my first company. We were coming out with a new piece of data-driven content every two weeks, which is an incredible clip, but but they're fantastic for so many reasons. Like one, you can insert yourself into like the news and press and get coverage in a very natural and non-promotional way which shows your brand as an authority or thought leader in the space. Two, you get an incredible number of backlinks often when done correctly. And three, uh, you can then take that data and weave it into all of those other pieces of content you're creating to like further tell that story and make them uniquely helpful. So I totally agree with you there that like all of the listeners should be thinking about data driven content, or at least that's what I call it here in 2023. And that is just one format of content right? But I know in your report, you mentioned a few times that like formats are changing, you know, one format might not be the right format for every company. And we should be using multiple different types of formats. So I don't want to get ahead of the report. But tell me, like, what did you find in the report in in terms of like formats? And how are you thinking about the formats of content in 2023?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I think the, the, the obvious thing to start with is like, Different formats appeal to people at different stages. So I think in the early early stages, is still a, a you know quite a big reliance on information that the companies themselves publish, whether that's blog posts, comparison, comparison price comparisons, you know whatever it might be. But short video is huge. Like one minute video, just this is this is what our product does. Short product videos. Forty three percent of people said that they would they use them uh, when when they're they're. Uh, in the early stages of research. And it wasn't, you know, we kind of, we didn't want to think of this sort of like from the from the inside out in terms of like how, you know, a content person or an SEO person think about it. So we didn't just sort of say like, you know, what format do you want content in? It was sort of like, as you're moving through that buyer journey, like what do you, what do you, where do you get information from? So it's kind of mixes formats and sort of channels. Um, but referrals were huge uh at the early stage as well so like referrals from your network as opposed to um forums or online communities which were actually sort of like the, the next one after referrals but it was interesting that like people quite clearly saw, saw them as diff- different uh different things and um, long videos were not as popular in the early stage they're actually much more much more popular um when people are actually engaged with the product so it might be more sort of like you know, people are on a trial or whatever, you want to create video content that is going to actually help them get the value out of it during the trial. Interestingly, I think like people really avoid sales reps in the early stage as well. Sales reps, they were the most uh, referenced source of information uh, as people went to sort of like make the, the final recommendation or adopt the, the piece of software. 31% re- referred to sales reps. It was just, a, and, and just some other stuff that came out. I think long form content is just not really, you know, what it was before a lot of feedback in terms of like I suppose the quality of long form content that it's too long it's hard to navigate you know so I think people are looking for more snack size what was interesting as well at the early stage it was quite clear there were some clear winners as I said that that, that sort of like short video being be, being a real real one that I would be like, if you don't have a short like one minute explainer video about what your product does on your website you're totally missing a trick but it was interesting later down as, as in the in the funnel in the purchasing process it's a broad range of like formats. And so actually, I think that the, the takeaway for us is like, give your buyers choice, you know, because so many people, particularly on the content side, I think just think of like content strategy is like, oh, I've got a blog, and I've got a podcast, and we've got a couple of ebooks. And actually, a good content strategy these days should be just much more, I think, about like, how do you support people with content throughout? that journey. And so, you know, I think traditionally people kind of thought, oh, that's product marketing's problem, you know, but I think like good content marketers are figuring out how to partner with like product marketing, sales, everyone down through the, the funnel and sort of seeing how content can be used throughout the purchasing process.
1: Yeah, I think the takeaway for our audience here is that depending on the stage of the funnel, the type of content should and will change. And also that content as a team is a very cross-functional team with other parts of the org. Does that seem like an accurate statement to you? Totally, totally.
0: And I think, like, as we said, like, it really became obvious in, in, in some of the other questions, which people can see the results on the OG marketing site, that, you know, there's definitely, like, opportunities down funnel to try and be a little bit more objective and make a clear comparison, like, comparison content or even, like, sort of almost technical content of, like, how does this software play play with the rest of my stack? There's, like, huge numbers of people looking for that kind of information, so it's saying that they're not currently getting it from, from what they see out there.
1: Yeah, and I know in the report you talk about, like, avoiding sales reps, as it seems like that something that software buyers are looking to do personally i don't mind talking to sales reps but i know that in certain spaces like especially like developer tools like that target audience never wants to talk to a sales rep uh does that make like content seo like an even more important channel over like the next few years do you think that trend will continue
0: it was interesting yeah like because we kind of thought oh you know particularly with so much talk about product like growth these days and like, you know, there's a huge opportunity there with with content and SEO, that like kind of the sales rep is, 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 you know, days are numbered. But it was quite interesting. Yes, people definitely avoid them in the early stage. They're like one of the lowest ranked sources of, of information. But when it came to the actual decision-making process, they were the, the leading referred to source of information. Now, you could argue that like particularly the way that like funnels, sales funnels and stuff are set up nowadays, uh, have you tried to buy a B2B SaaS product recently without talking to a sales rep? You know, like that so many companies set it up so that you have to talk to a rep unless you want like just the very basic plan that maybe part of this is just, that's the reality in the market right now. But also I think it's, it's, I think probably when people get to that stage where they're actually committing to buying a product they probably do want to talk to someone from the company and just seal the deal but i I think like in the early stages they don't want to be bothered hard to know where this is going to go in the future definitely like we saw a bunch of stuff like that as i said people are starting to use ai and are comfortable using ai to to do research i think again it just goes back to that flexibility of like on your buyer journeys rather than thinking of buyer journey as like a route that you want to force all your leads down think about more like a model for how they can do it but like always give these sort of like opt outs or like opportunities that they can literally put their hand up and say, Hey, like I'm ready to talk to sales now,
1: or, you know, I just want to get this thing done. That's really interesting. So it sounds like sales reps are not the leading choice of information very early on for SaaS companies, but then they're a critical source of information further into the buying process. And I know when I do our demos, like whenever someone comes to me and says like, hey, I've read your blog or even like I've read every article on your blog before I actually do the demo. I know that there's a much higher likelihood that we're going to convert that future potential customer. Just actually on that point,
0: I would just add, like we actually did do a bunch of research at Intercom about like the impact of content because, you know, not, not to change topic too much, but there's the whole attribution thing with content and SEO always. But like, we we did research and found that actually customers who had engaged with content, they generally like spent more bigger ACV and they hung around longer than people who come in through other channels and hadn't engaged with the content. And I think part of that is if you are particularly, you know, like you guys are doing, you're publishing good quality content. It's like, here's our kind of view of the world. Here's what we think is, is like wrong with the competition, et cetera. People are kind of primed and they're bought into the, the sort of the, the, the worldview that they're going to get from your product, you know, and so. I think they're just much more likely to be successful as, as, as customers. So I definitely think that's, yeah, It's if, if people in, in, interacting with your content, it makes the rep's job much easier. I think it probably makes, makes it a different kind of sale somewhat than depending on like someone just clicked on a, a, a paid ad or something like
1: that. Yeah, you know, I started my career in the consumer finances space. Uh, So I built like a comparison website for financial products. And, And while that's not SaaS, we actually found something very similar. Like we had ad channels, but by far, like from a quality standpoint, in terms of customer content drove, you know, higher quality applicants, larger loan balances, better customers for the banks and financial institutions we ultimately served. And so maybe it's just like that person who's willing to like, roll up their sleeves and actually learn or like find the best solution for them with content tends to actually be the best customer to onboard and work with across industry i'm not sure
0: yeah it's kind of self-identifying you know if they actually have the time to, to to engage with your content in a meaningful way yeah they're going to be that kind of buyer
1: yeah. And speaking of formats, because I have to ask, like, I know we've talked about like user generated content and reviews and third party content being really important in terms of building trust. And we've also talked about like Google's recent algorithm update and a lot of these platforms getting more visibility. Should companies themselves be creating user generated content? I know I saw someone on Twitter the other day joking about like company forums are going to come back as a result of this. Do you think that's important or are there other ways in which we can add to that layer of? content or format to like the content we're creating on our site. Yeah. I mean, like
0: it's, it's funny things, things always go full circle, don't they? You know? And like, yeah, I'm old enough to remember those sort of like user forums, you know, like Novell user forums or whatever it might be. But like they were the early sort of like bulletin boards or like, you know, they were, they were very independent, you know, they, they, they were hosted by vendors, but it was literally people who were using that product networking together. And yeah, you know, I think we see some of that in Slack communities and stuff now. I mean, I think there's been some quite successful. There's a few, few examples of them in the, 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 the fintech uh, space, for instance, you know, where people have, there's off the ledger, uh, which is a, a fintech community that's like spon- sponsored by a vendor. So I think like, yes, you can foster user-generated content, but I think you have to be very, very careful as, as, a, as a vendor, if you're sort of like just pushing it and it's kind of propaganda, like you, you can, you can host that conversation. And I think you should actively be thinking about how, how you can do that, but, but be very careful that it just, it, it comes across authentic and it's
1: not just like a place for you to, to push your, your own messages. As far as reviews go, did you guys look into like reviews, like platforms like Trustpilot at all? Are they important?
0: Yeah, no, totally. I mean, didn't just sort of like got people to rank them in terms of like, particularly in terms of trust. So I think like the one forums and communities, rather than sort of like third party review sites like the the G2s and the Capteras and Trust Radius, forums and communities, which would vary, you know, like depending on the, the, the vertical you're selling into will vary quite a bit. But they were the they were the number like in terms of like what what people sort of said they picked as a a, like a trusted source of information they were they were clearly the 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 most popular third party reviews were 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 next and then industry influencers but like the actual and even actually ChatGPT or other AI tools were more trusted than like vendors themselves but I think like it's you know it's it's clear that offsite SEO is no longer you know sometimes it was kind of considered like okay we've got everything on site done now we'll think about offsite I think nowadays like You got to think about like, how are we managing our reputation in these places? You know, like, are we engaging with these review sites? You know, are, do we actually like look at the conversations that are going on in those communities and like make sure that they're accurate, I suppose? And yeah, you know, what's your strategy in terms of engaging with people who might be like, you know, disgruntled customers, all that kind of stuff. And I think it's, it's, it's kind of scary for some folks because like it's much easier to control stuff on your, your own site. But I think it's, it's the conversations happening. So you, you, you just have to, you know, you have to figure out a strategy of, of, of how to in, in, engage with that. And I think right now in marketing that sometimes that, who is responsible for that varies across teams. You know, there's like, we see a lot of customer engagement teams, like we see community teams, sometimes content teams do it, you know? So I think it's really, really important that you like, you think about that. And obviously just like know your own space and where your buyers are and like what space you're in.
1: Everything we're describing sounds really expensive or a lot of work whether it's like creating fantastic data-driven content or like moderating reddit to know that like what people are saying about your product is actually accurate is like content marketing just gotten a lot more expensive because like the bar has gotten higher like since you've kind of first started in this business i would say that like you really gotta like prioritize and it
0: goes back to that quality versus quantity piece that like look you know at intercom in like 2016 I, I we were publishing on our blog like five times a week you know and so like, that's expensive so i think like you know i would not be recommending i don't like i just don't like we're way past that sort of like peak blog content i certainly wouldn't be recommending that to folks but equally i'm like i don't know i think content's always kind of suffers from this you know because everyone can write you know whether they can write well or not is a totally different matter but like because everyone can like write people kind of assume almost that this is something that people can do in their spare time or like it's Kind of an add on to your day job is you're going to like knock out a few blog posts or, you know, like do some ghostwriting for your CEO on, on uh, like Twitter or whatever it might be. Yeah, like content is expensive, but like it pays off. You know, compared to say other channels, it can take a little longer to, to get a content program off the ground. But the great thing, and particularly if you sort of like are publishing on sort of evergreen topics is that like it continues to pay off like months and quarters down the, and years down the line, you know? So I think, yes, it's, it's probably, it probably is more expensive than it was. I think you got to ruthlessly prioritize, not try and do everything, get your, do your experiments and like figure out like what's actually going to move the needle for, for your company, but then double down on those bets, you know?
1: Should companies be doing this entirely in-house or should they also like hire agencies or freelancers to help them into these many different parts of the content marketing processes?
0: Uh, well of course they should hire amazing consultants uh, that are available on the market now listen I suppose there's, there's, there's a number of different things it's like the, the strategy piece you know do you need help with that like some folks like actually don't necessarily because they, they really understand their buyers and they, they understand like the market and so they probably need less help with strategy because I think that's that's the key thing I always say to contact folks like when I have a call with a new client I'm like hey can I listen to some like gone calls or sales off calls or you know whatever? I just need to like I want to find out like how your, your buyers are actually thinking about the the space and the problems that they have so i think that's you know if, if if the founders or some early employees or whoever it might be really understands that i think you don't necessarily probably need as much help with your strategy then there's just the, the content production piece which as i said you know like everyone can write to a certain degree but like you know some folks just aren't as comfortable producing content you know doing it day to day so i think like there's there's just so many good sources of like freelancers and folks out there that you can you can get to actually create content but i think it's tough like you have to get the strategy right first and i think that's that that goes back to that understanding of of, of the wire so yeah i mean i've rarely come across content teams now that are fully in house there's always some element of like whether they've got an SEO agency or they've got like, you know, someone maybe helping you produce a podcast because it's like, it's a a different medium that like has different requirements. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty rare to see everything in-house these days.
1: And as far as like competition goes, would you say that like content marketing today is the most competitive it's ever been or not?
0: It's competitive in the sense that everyone's trying to do it, but it's amazing how bad, much bad content there's out there. You know, like there's just a, an ocean of really mediocre content that's not getting consumed, and I like, you know, kind of had that feeling when I was in house because you'd obviously be looking at like what's out there. But like as a consultant, when you when you have to do a sort of competitive analysis, you know, like I have right now, I have like a couple of clients in fintech, I have like a vertical SaaS, and I have like an energy company, so I'm kind of looking at like content across a bunch of different fields, and it's kind of surprising, like the the quality, the good stuff really stands out because it's actually relatively rare so there's a lot out there but would i say it's competitive in the sense it's hard to to break through not really if you, you approach it in a sort of a you know a strategic and sort of systematic way
1: and in your report you mentioned i want to take a step back that like chat gpt or other like ai based information retrieval mechanisms are a channel or a, a source that like buyers are using to find helpful content do you think that's a trend that will continue or is this like a blip in time and we shouldn't worry about it
0: no i think it came through pretty pretty clear that like people are already using it and like uh, probably around a third of buyers say that they, they they use it right now i think it came pretty clear in the comments from people though that like we're in that sort of early phase and people see that there's potential here but they're still trying to figure out how to apply it to their businesses so look i think it's 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 like any sort of and you know it's not necessarily that new a technology but it's it's the the mainstream availability of it is, is new and i think there's gonna be all sorts of interesting applications of it uh but i mean i would certainly say to to content teams like you should be on it and try to figure out like where where can you apply generative AI right now and like how you know I think it's, it's it's a huge opportunity just to get over that blank page issue of like you 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 need to create something and like you just want to do that basic initial research or just get like get something that you can start buzzing off and getting some ideas from and like Chat GPT in particular is is amazing for that but there are a bunch of other tools out there as well that are, like specific to content creation and content marketing creation
1: yeah. As far as like the information retrieval systems go like a ChatGPT if someone was looking for like the best SEO tools is there anything we can do as like a content marketing team to like convince an AI model like ChatGPT to want to include content from our company in their response?
0: My understanding is, I mean, like, it's, it's going to be similar to, like, what works with SEO. It's, like, getting good quality content out there. Like, think about, like, in the same way you think about, like, what are people actually searching for, which is, like, keywords, like, you, you optimize for keywords. I think you're going to need to start thinking about, like, well, what kind of prompts are people going to be putting in and optimizing for those prompts? But, again, I think it's, it's, it's super early days and, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I think most content marketing teams, they've got, like, plenty of other sort of you know fish to fry or plenty of other like fires to put out before they start. Yeah, you know, like definitely something to, to keep an eye on, but I think there's better sources of growth right now than that.
1: Well, this has been such an awesome episode. If it's okay with you, I'd love to transition to the rapid fire question section. Does that sound good? Let's do it. Is long form content dead? It's dying. Uh, you got to do something to really stand out. Like, yeah, just those like
0: two and a half thousand word, like keyword optimized articles, forget it.
1: What do you make of backlinks? I know it's it's a controversial topic sometimes.
0: Yeah, I think I think uh, like, I think they're still important. Don't obsess over them. I mean, they will happen organically to a certain extent, but you can also you know just make it easy for people to backlink and and, and just even think about like how do we who would we want backlinks from you know? But yeah, people kind of really obsess over it and think like it's the key to SEO, and I, I don't really think it, I, it's it's one of the things that contributes to good SEO.
1: Should content marketing teams be thinking about conversion rate optimization, or is that something they should be responsible for, or is that fall to like someone else in the org? I
0: would generally say that like ownership of it falls to someone else, but I think you got to like partner very closely with those people, particularly if you're uh, like looking at sort of a, a quality content strategy rather than a, like a, a numbers-driven one that you just don't want, like the CTAs and all that, everything, all those like cro uh that you're you're doing it it needs to sort of like sit nicely with your content
1: and i think it's like it's about having a strong partnership with whoever is, is looking after cro we haven't touched on newsletters are newsletters still important or effective in 2023
0: yeah i think so particularly i think in in verticals i've seen like i've worked with clients who have like really really not super niche but like relatively niche newsletters and really have become sort of like authorities in their field. You know, there's a reason so many people are trying to build businesses on Substack. You know, it's, there's still a thing and people still use them.
1: AI generated content. I know you mentioned it was helpful to getting up past that blank page. Is it something that we should be using to create content on our websites?
0: I think it's, it's it can be part of the process, but like at the end of the day, it is basically sucking up everything that's out there, like existing content and sort of giving you the average of like you know, what, what what that indicates. And so you're never going to get content that stands out from the crowd by just using generative AI. I think you got it like you, you got generative AI to do a lot of the grunt work and then you bring in like, you know, writers
1: or editors to, to really make it stand out from the crowd. Makes sense. And as far as the report goes, is there anything else? Because I know it's a, a fairly large report and we didn't cover it all. Are there like one or two things from the report that stand out to you that we should talk about that we haven't yet?
0: No, I think, I think the big thing is just thinking about the opportunities for, for, for vendors. And it's, you know, I think we've touched on them throughout. You know, Google is still the, the go-to source of information. It's quality over quantity. You need to have a bunch of different formats to provide the best experience for your buyers. Third parties are, are, are more important than ever. And I think they're going to continue to be important. And yeah, I suppose the other thing is just like sales, sales still matters and you know don't don't get rid of your sales team just yet
1: (laughs) well that's all great feedback and for everyone who's dm'd to me lately about the helpful algorithm update i hope that this episode was helpful because i think a lot of what we talked about comes back to like creating uniquely helpful content that creates a higher quality experience for a reader so john this was an awesome episode thank you so much for coming on Uh, We'll include like a link to the report as well as like your social profiles in the show notes. But thank you so much. This was fantastic. Thanks. Thanks. Been Been a pleasure.
0: Love talking about this stuff.
1: This episode of the Optimize Podcast is brought to you by a special sponsor. If you're anything like me, you've probably got a lot of content that's not very well optimized and it can be a total pain in your butt to optimize it and ultimately get it to rank better in search and that's what Positional does. Positional has an incredible tool set for everything from content optimization to technical SEO and planning your editorial calendar. And if you don't know by now, I'm one of the co-founders of Positional, and I'd love for you to check it out.